things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, um, this is a podcast for imperfect people, and uh, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. family, this next series of episodes of the podcast are going to be the messages I've been preaching uh, over the last uh, 2022, 2023 uh, here in my home church, Hope St. Pete. Uh, I pray that they bless you. I pray that they, I pray that they inspire you in your faith, grow you in your faith, and grow you in your feelings. Yep. Okay. Love you. Bye. Of me. So... <laughs> But I'm so happy to be able to kick this off. I love talking about Old Testament heroes who impact our New Testament faith. I am a firm believer that looking back makes you salty, but it also teaches you what not to do and how to live better. And so if I can look back to gain the right context, that's what we're going to do. Uh, it's a step into that. So uh, we're going to, there's a lot of different people in the Bible that we're going to touch on over the next three weeks, uh, but I have the incredible honor of uh, talking about Abraham. Everyone's kind of heard about Abraham. His life is a little bit like a telenovela. Um, honestly, if you read his story, you will wonder if maybe he needed counseling or, or was he, did he really follow Jesus? Because there was a lot. There was really a lot he was doing. And to be quite honest with you, I'm so glad I don't have to teach that part. So this series, Heroes of the Faith, takes a look at various Old Testament heroes. And the principle that we're going to pull from is the principle of covenant. It sounds like an old-time churchy word, but God built a covenant with significantly different people in the Bible, a partnership. So when I say the word covenant, I want you to think of the word partnership. God wants to be in partnership with you. He's been in partnership with various people in the Bible throughout of history because he was trying to fix a problem that happened early on. See, when he started off, he kicked things off with Adam and Eve. He had this epic partnership with them. They were walking around. They were kicking butt and taking names. And then Eve decided to make a bad decision. She had a a snake convo, is what I like to call it. And sadly, what happened is that partnership was broken. See, God did not come to the earth to make slaves. God didn't create humanity so we would be slaves to an absolute power. God created humanity So he could have an earthly family who would live in communion with him. And sadly, that communion was broken. I love you. Thank you. That communion was broken. And when that communion was broken with Eve, he had to then restore it through other people. And he did that with Abraham. Abraham was the dude. He pulled together and said, hey, I will bless your family, but I need you to walk out a couple things for me. And Abraham, man, he did it, but he did it in a way that was honestly, it was kind of sketchy. I'm not gonna lie. He tried to sell his wife to a pharaoh one time. He told the pharaoh it was his sister, because it was. And then, yeah, it's weird. And then they couldn't have kids. He was like 100 years old. And they were like, it's okay. You can sleep with my maidservant. And he did. It was bad. There was a lot. Guys, there was a lot to this story where I'm like, How can I pull a life lesson out of the life of Abraham besides not try to sell your wife to a pharaoh? You know what I mean? There's a lot to it. 
And as I started to read and as I began to throw, th just really grasp the story of him is what I realized is that even though his life was like a telenovela, his life also can show us a lot about what happens when you actually sacrifice your life to God and live your life in true partnership with him. God uh, did a couple covenants in the Bible. He did one with Noah, you know, the guy with the flood. Yeah, everyone? Okay, everyone's like, yes, no, no, we've never heard of him. Veggie Tales. And then Abraham, and then the people of Israel, and then again David. He did these four partnerships to try to fix the partnership that was broken with Eve. Does that make sense? And so what happened is, is that final covenant, he, what he did is he said, hey, David, from this line, I'm going to bring Jesus. And Jesus ultimately is going to restore the whole partnership with all of us. But before we get to Jesus, I want to go back to Abraham. Because Abraham shows us something. Okay, let me pray real quick before we jump in. Because that was like really high on my list and I missed it. Lord, I love you, Lord God. Let this revelation be your revelation. Let, let all of these words, because there's so many words, God, and there's so many directions I can go. Lord, it would be the direction you want me to go. It would be the direction, Father God. It would be the truth of your story, your partnership. Lord, this is your story. This is not mine. And Lord, I pray that we leave here with a true understanding of what this looks like. Lord, thank you for the heroes of the faith that modeled how we should live. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. So let me just jump into the word because I feel like the word needs, speaks way better than me. We're going to look at the life of Abraham. And in the life of Abraham, what we find is he had a lot of sketchy stuff happen. But there was this one situation that honestly, every time I read it, it kind of makes me like, mm, I don't really see how this could be a God story. And then God begins to show me more and more about it. And this is what I really believe what true partnership looks like. A partnership with God. The type of partnership that grows our faithfulness that blesses our family, that impacts our future, always comes with testing. And that's what we're going to learn today. What does it look like to be tested by God? What does it look like to have to go through struggle with God? A partnership with God, a covenant that grows our faithfulness, blesses our families, and is the kind of partnership that impacts our future, always comes with testing. So let's jump in to Genesis 22. After a period of time, God decided to put Abraham to the test. Abraham has had Isaac, his son that he's been waiting for years and years and years for. God has finally given him a son. In like, when he was like 100 and his wife was like 100, they had a baby. Mm -hmm. And so here he is. He finally has his son. His son is grown. He's so happy. He loves his son like ain't nobody's business. And he... God decides after this time where his son has grown up to test him. Eternal one, Abraham, Abraham, I am right here. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom I know you love deeply, and go to the land of Moriah. When you get there, I want you to offer Isaac to me as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, and I will show you which one. Abraham did as he was told. Now, every parent in this room just said, no, I don't really see how that would be from the Lord. Every single parent in this room, unless your kid's off the chain, every single one of you just said, I don't really see how I could put my kid and just be like, yes, Lord, I shall do that. But you have to understand, during the time of Abraham, to be asked to sacrifice your child by a deity was normal. That was normal. People were doing it all the time. 
It's really weird. Aren't you happy that you don't live in the time of Abraham where they were just like sacrificing random babies? It's horrible. It's horrible. He lived in a super scary time of the Bible. And so when the eternal one asked him to do something that mirrored all the broken gods, it was not shocking to him to do it. He was like, this is going to stink, but I guess I got to do it. And so Abraham did as he was told. Early in the morning, he got up, saddled his donkey, and taking two of his trusted servants with him and his son Isaac, he cut the wood from the burnt offering and traveled to the place God had told him. And on the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place from far off. Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. But we will worship, and then we will come back and meet you here. I'm going to read it again. He gets to the place where he has to sacrifice his child. And he tells his servants, we're going to go over there. And we're going to worship. But we will also come back and meet you here. The first thing that we can learn from, the, from Abraham, and what does it look like to really partner with God, is that a partnership with God is tested, but it, trust is built in the testing. Some of you guys are going through things today and you're like, I don't understand why I'm going through this. God will test you to build your trust in him. That sounds like really intense, yes. But the same God who walked Abraham out of his land and into the new land, the same God that blessed Abraham with a son, the same God that helped him through all that telenovela stuff that I talked through earlier, the same God that had walked Abraham to this situation was the same God who was going to walk him out. He told his servants, we're going to go worship, but we're also going to come right back. I don't know about you guys, but there are so many times that God tests me and he's building my trust and he's saying, trust me, Chadi. Trust me, Chadi. I'm going to get here for you. Trust me, Chadi. I'm going to get you to where you need to go. And I'm just like, mm, are you, Lord? Are you? And then I have to do what Abraham did and tell people, it's going to be okay. I'll be back. I'm going to go worship him. How many of us worship God in the testing or get mad in the testing or get frustrated with God in the testing? What would happen if we worshiped God in the testing and believed that the same God that took, from, took us from there to here is going to take us from here to there? Oh, that was cool. Okay, you know what I mean. Chadi, what does that look like practically? If you want to build trust in the testing, you have to look back at what God has already done and keep his resume fresh on your mind. We talk about this a lot because for some reason, when we find ourselves in storms, we forget that God is with us. Sometimes when we're being tested, sometimes when things are hard, sometimes when we're navigating struggles in a real world, guys, this world has enough struggles. Oh my gosh, it's just constantly throwing stuff at us. We forget that the God, God created us. We are gods. We are his kids. He loves us and he is with us. I know I do this. How many of you guys have done that? So I don't feel like a crazy person. Anyone? Thank you. God bless you. Sometimes we just need to look back. If you find yourself in a situation feeling tested, look back at all God has done and remember that he'll take you from here to there. And so he straight tells those guys, don't worry, we're going to worship. We'll come back and meet you here. Guys, God is in partnership with you. If you have said yes to Jesus and you are living out the life Jesus has for you, living the life in the way, the truth, and the life, like, just like Jesus did, 
that what's going to happen in these partnerships is you're going to feel tested. Well, Chadi, that's in the Old Testament. Yeah, but you know what? The disciples were tested too. I can go through 15 different Jesus stories in the Bible of where the disciples were tested. How about the time that Jesus told them to get in a boat? And in that boat, it was a storm magnet. They literally told them to get in the boat that was in a storm magnet. That sea was a storm magnet. Every time, it was like Tampa. Every time they get in it, St. Pete, it rained. And people were shocked by it. And the weird thing is, is that Jesus told them to get in the boat, and then Jesus went to the back of the boat and took a nap on a pillow. Anyone ever felt like you in a situation and Jesus just took a nap on a pillow? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The storm got crazy. The disciples were freaking out. They were in a testing, just like Abraham. But they did not go worship. They did not tell people, hey, they didn't learn from the past. They freaked out into their future. And I think it's important that we look back. Because if the disciples in two seconds would have taken the time to go, this is the same dude that just fed 5,000. This is the same dude that literally was healing the lame and the sick and the blind five minutes ago. He's in the boat with us. It's going to be okay. He didn't just test the Old Testament. He tested in the New Testament, and he's testing you now. But guess what? You just got to take some time to worship. Follow him even in the hard stuff, because this was hard. Because God is building your trust. I always say that trust is built in the trenches. It's not built on the mountain peaks. It's real easy to trust someone when everything's going good, right? But it's real hard to trust them when things are going bad. And sometimes when things are going bad, We just need to remember what he said. T.D. Jakes, epic, I love him. He says, when you don't know what God is saying, go back to what he said. I'm going to say it again. When you don't know what God is saying, go back to what he said. And what we find Abraham doing in a moment where God's asked him to do something really hard is that he went back to the God of his past and remembered that God had his future in place. Amen? And so we continue on with the story. Abraham took the wood. Oh, here we go. Yeah, we will worship and we will come back and meet you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and set it on the shoulders of his son Isaac to carry. Mm, Can you imagine being Isaac right now? You're an adult. (laughs) And your dad's like, hey, so I'm going to need you to hold this stuff. We're going to just really just mosey up this little hill here. No, don't don't act weird. It's going to be fine. Like, I think at this point as an adult, Isaac, I would have been like, okay. We're going up to do a sacrifice. And so Abraham himself carries the fire and the knife. So he's holding the fire and the knife. Scary. And the two of them walk up. And then Isaac goes, Father. And Abraham says, I'm right here. I'm right here, son. Look, we have the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Can you imagine? Like, I, this is the thing that I love about this. It doesn't say that he's like, Dad, you're dumb. Dad, what are you doing? I'm not going up there. You carry the wood yourself. He took the wood. He obeyed his dad. He trusted his dad so much that he followed him up a mountain where he could possibly be a sacrifice. How many of us does God ask us to do something and he says, hey guys, can you grab the wood? And you're like, oh no, Jesus, I know what this is. We don't do that. Mm -mm. I don't see any lambs, Lord, so I don't really see that happening. But thank you for asking me. We're going to need you to find somebody else to pick up that wood because that wood is just too big for me, Jesus. Thank you. I do that. Hey, Chaddy, I'm going to need you to move to St. Pete and you and Esteban are going to pastor a church. Oh no, Lord, we're going to need you to find somebody else. We just, we just paid off our house, Lord. That doesn't even sound like you. That sounds dumb. That's not even a good idea. 
No, Jesus, I just got a real good job in New York City. Lord, New York feels like a better place. And then I went to New York, and I realized they don't have air conditioning, and I was like, that is not of the Lord. Some of you guys, instead of walking up the mountain so that God can teach you about sacrifice and teach you about trust, you don't even bother going up. But the second thing that we find here is that he was at peace. You got Abraham, his son, he goes like, Father! And Abraham goes, I'm right here, son. I'm right here. He must have said that, I'm right here, son, with such peace for his son to pick up the wood and put it on. And when I say peace, I do not mean the feeling of tranquility. I mean the Hebrew word shalom. When we pray over you at the end of the day, we don't pray for you to have peace, the feeling. We pray that you would have peace, shalom. Shalom is so much more vast. It means peace, but it also means rest and fullness and soundness and completion. In these moments of trials, in these moments where God is partnering with you and he's saying, hey, we're in covenant. I want to walk out this life and I want to teach you how to trust me. I also want to teach you how to live from a place of shalom. Some of you guys are like, I don't, I don't have peace about that because you're waiting for a feeling and you're not functioning from a place of shalom. Tati, that's really intense. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care because I want to function from a place of peace. I want to be able to do hard things. And when I ask people and when God asks me to pick up the wood and put it on my shoulders, I'm not going to be like, no, that's dumb. I'm going to hear shalom from their voice. Shalom from my father. He said, I am here, son. You're going to be okay. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of you are walking up a mountain with some wood and the dude next to you has a fire and a knife. And some of you are wondering how you're going to see this situation through. And I feel like the Lord just wants to look at you today and say, I am here, daughter. I am here, son. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I know it seems impossible. I know that there's no lamb and there's no burnt sacrifice up there. And you're the one climbing up the mountain. But God wants you to know that he is with you. Shalom. Nothing missing nothing lost. That's what shalom means. It means there's nothing missing and nothing lost. How many of us are functioning from a place of nothing missing, nothing lost? When things go awry in my life, I have to remind myself that I am in covenant with God, that I am in partnership with God, and that I trust him. So I look back. Not only that, that I'm not waiting to feel tranquil, but instead I'm walking in from a place of wholeness and rest. Amen? So what does that look like practically, Chadi? That's cool. That sounds real Bible-y. Well, if you want to experience peace in the testing, you have to be present in the moment. I don't feel like he was walking and he was like, I'm over here, son. I'm here, son. I feel like he looked at him and he said, I am here, son. Some of you aren't even present in the moment. You're panicked and running around like that story I told about Jesus and the disciples in the boat. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, panic right? Instead of just going, okay, what is really happening here? What is really going on here? Guys, in moments like that, that's why he said we went to worship first. Some of you just need to get in God's presence. Some of you just need to get in the word. Chadi, does that really work? Yes. I just wrote an entire book about how to do it. 
I've done nothing but study the life of Jesus and how Jesus modeled healthy emotions. It can be done. Well, Chadi, I, I, I really can't find peace. I, I really am just really struggling. Guys, that's why God gave us doctors. You know, I don't know if you know this, but like two weeks ago, I was in the hospital. I woke up in the middle of the night with a pain that went from this kind of hurts to excruciating in 30 minutes. I was doubled over in pain, and I, so I started to pray. I was like, okay, God, this is what I tell people. I'm praying. Jesus, I need you to show up. He's like, wake up your husband. You need to go to the hospital. Nope, that's not what I wanted, Lord. Healed in the name of Jesus. I need you to heal it in the name of Jesus. That's not working. Lord, I, I said it in your, healed in the name of Jesus. He was like, I need you to wake your husband up. Take you to the hospital. I wake him up. He's like, mm -hmm. What? Babe, I need to go to the hospital. Something's wrong. Something's really wrong. Because I've had surgeries, and I'm telling you, this ain't right. He's like, okay, let's go. Wrap it up. We get some sweatpants on. We're headed to the, we get in the car. And I'm like, I don't even know where the hospital is because we've been living here for four days. Where are the hospitals? And like, I'm doubled over in pain. He's Googling. I want to strangle him because the poor guy's Googling. He's just trying to help. And I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we? I'm panicked. There's no shalom. And then I remember, oh, okay, I have to pray. So I start praying and, and trying to, Lord, you said, Lord, you said peace is not a feeling, that even though this is painful, God, you are still God and you are still king. And I immediately remembered a conversation that I had with April who told me, this is the hospital you should go to. Immediately, I said, babe, this is the hospital we should go to. Oh my gosh, it's two minutes from our house. Praise God, won't he do it? So we get to the hospital and I'm like, the guy taking out my blood looks like he's a JV nurse. He's never taken out blood before. He pops my vein. I'm holding the thing, bleeding everywhere. And I'm like, Lord, this does not feel like you're here, Jesus. This feels like I am walking up a mountain with wood and the guy over here is like, fire and a knife, fire and a knife. <laughs> and the Lord's like, do you trust me? I do, I do. Also doubled over in pain. And the Lord's like, I literally heard the Lord say, you got 25 minutes before you're back there. You got it, you can do 25 minutes. I was like, okay, 25 minutes. Sir, we're going to need you to stop trying to take my blood. We can see that you don't know how to do that. Thank you. So we're just, you know, I'm pacing. I'm pacing. And I'm like, Sam was like, you need to sit down. I'm like, I can't. I feel like I'm supposed to ask him. I'm walking. I'm praying. I'm doubled over in pain. And then we get back there and we realize quickly that they need to handle my pain because at this point I am in, I'm sobbing. I am now at a point of pain that I have never experienced in my life, and I'm sobbing, like uncontrollable sobbing. But in my mind, I'm still saying, Lord, you're still God. Lord, whatever this is, you're still good. Lord, I just pray for wisdom for the doctors. How many of us do that? I'm not like the best Christian in the world. Guys, I'm not at all. Like, this is shocking to me that this was my response, okay? Because normally when a statement's like, I'm here for you, and I'm like, I don't care. Like, you, I'm like, that's my normal response. Like, I was shocked by this response. I'm, I'm literally preaching something to you that I live in living out myself. I'm not a perfect Christian, but I am in covenant with the living God. And so then... They come in and they give me this thing that's of the Lord that I can't remember the name of. And immediately it was like, whoom. And Stephen says that I said, what did I say? I am here, but the pain is no longer here. <laughs> Guys, some of you need help with your pain. Go see a doctor. It's okay. Some of you just need to get in the presence of God and pray. But I guarantee you, if you walk up that mountain with that wood attached to you and you're praying because you trust God and you're seeking the Holy Spirit because you're full of shalom, you will find the right solution.
you will absolutely find the right solution. And so we find this testing, we find Abraham showing us that we're going to walk with God, we're going to be in partnership with God, and there's going to be testing. But we can learn how to trust God in the testing, and we can learn about peace, shalom, in the testing. The final thing, so we find him in this story. Abraham looks at his son and he says, God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. The two of them continued to walk up together. And when they finally arrived at the place God had shown him, Abraham took some stones and built an altar there and arranged the wood carefully on top. And then he bound his son Isaac with rope and laid him on the altar on top of a stack of wood. Isaac is a grown man. Grown. Like, gets married right after this story. Grown. How many of us will allow God to lay our lives on an altar? An altar of obedience. That might look a little crazy. That might look like... That might look like abstinence and relationships. It might look like tithing. It might look like joining a group. It might look like serving on a team. It might look a little crazy and like not part of our culture. And when I say not our culture as a church, I mean our culture as the world. Jesus was counterculture. Living in covenant was counterculture to the world. We live in a culture that doesn't even get married anymore. Marriage is not a thing. We don't need to do that. We can just, you know, live together and be high-five each other and be friends. It's okay. No big deal. And if you're in that situation, that's okay. We love you. There's a place for you here. But I believe in covenant. And I believe sometimes God will ask us, pretty much a lot of times God will ask us to lay our lives on an altar. And that altar looks like obedience. And not only obedience to the things that are easy, but obedience to the things that are uncomfortable and obedience to the things that are hard. And what happens in this is number three, you find blessing in the testing. Obedience produces blessing. When finally they arrived, so here we have, he puts them on the wood, and just as Abraham reached over to grab the knife, the special messenger of the Eternal One called to him and said, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham again says, I am right here. Don't lay a hand on that boy or do anything to harm him. I know now that you respect the one true God and will be loyal to him and follow him in commands because you were willing to give up your son, your only son, to me. Abraham glanced up and saw a ram in the thicket. There was a ram there the whole time. Some of you guys haven't even taken the time to look around and see that the blessing is right there. Because you didn't even take the time to go up the mountain. You didn't even take your Isaac up the mountain. Chadi, well, what's the point of this story? Isaac had taken the place of the love he had for his creator had been replaced by his son. The Lord had noticed that he had given him this blessing. And now this blessing was more important to him than the one who gave him the blessing. You guys ever been in a job that you prayed for and all of a sudden you stopped praying to God because now you have the job? You ever really prayed for God for a, for a spouse or for a relationship or a friendship and then God gives you that spouse and you're gone? You don't even come to church? Because we're just home being in love. Hmm. Not you guys. You're in church and you match and I respect you. 
Do you know what I mean? There's so many times in our lives where we literally take what God has given us and we're like, thanks, cool guy. And then we leave and then we don't even, it's like we forget that we're in partnership and in covenant with the gifter of the gift. But instead we become so enamored with the gift, we forget the gift giver. And so what's happened is Abraham here, he's, he's literally forgotten that he has waited almost, oh my gosh, 50, 60 years for this kid. And then God gives him, his wife was a barren, barren. And this woman at 100 years old, 99, has a baby boy that the Lord is going to use to impact the entire world. The tribes, all of the, all of the, oh my gosh, the tribes of Israel will come from his line. It's going to be epic. And God had to be like, hey, we're going to do a little testing real quick. Just going to check your heart. Just going to make sure you're good. Just going to make sure that I'm still number one. Guys, if you feel like there's a testing, I guarantee you God is asking you, am I really number one? Where do I sit about number three? After your success or after your ambition? Because guess what? When you're doubled over in pain in a hospital, you know what I'm not doing? Given out my resume of all the things that I've done. I'm like, I literally was like, oh God, oh God, oh God, my, my God, oh God. It's funny how when things are stripped from us, we want God to help. But when everything is great, we no longer care about God. And so we find him in the testing. Some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about, lady, because I'm not in the testing. I'm really living my best life right now. This is my one Sunday a month, and I cannot believe that this is the Sunday I showed up. You know what I'm saying? And that's okay. I love you. Hugs and kisses. We'll high five outside. But what I'm saying is, what would happen if we really lived a life devoted to God? What would happen if we were okay with him walking us up, and literally we lay our lives out on the altar of God? What would happen? If we literally laid our life as, as an offering to God, God, take my giftings. Lord, take my words. Lord, like every single day that I was writing my book, I literally did communion, and I sat there and I said, Lord, let this story be your story. Lord, I don't want people to see me. I want people to see you. What would happen if in your life you did that? Before you walked into your job, you said, God, don't let people see me. I want them to see you. God, whatever pride I have, whatever sin I have, whatever struggle I have, God, burn it on the offering of your goodness. God, whatever it is, I give it to you. God, whoa, we would be like game-changing. Our families would be so healthy. Our lives would be so healthy. Some of you, you know, blessings aren't the lottery. They aren't received by luck. They are received by pursuit. Some of you aren't even following Jesus close enough to, to get that blessing. Like, favor's different. Favor ain't fair. You know what I'm saying? Favor don't always look like favor either. Favor kind of looks like a closed door sometimes. Favor might look like a relationship uh, issues and God's closing doors. To me, favor looks like closed doors, right? Like, God's like, oh, no, I don't want you to go that way. Yeah, I love you too much. Come here, come here. This way. It's like boundaries and closed doors. Blessing is like, I chased Jesus, and I followed Jesus so close that whatever was falling off of him fell on me. When they followed Jesus, they called it like following in the dust of the rabbi. Like you were literally covered in his dust. 
There's this one story of a rabbi where he had a, he had a, like a hump like this. And so all of his followers, you know how they followed him? What if you followed Jesus so closely that you trusted him, that you functioned from a place of shalom, and you were living in his blessings? What would that look like? And Abraham showed us. Abraham showed us today that when you sacrifice your greatest love because you're in covenant, you experience blessing. And that's my hope for you today. God wants to live in covenant with you. Some of you, that might mean closing your eyes right now and saying, Jesus, I know I haven't been in covenant. I know I haven't really been walking in partnership with you. But today I want to do that. For others, it might be joining the community. For others, it might be serving on a team. Chatty, how do you tie all that in? Man, because you know what? Sacrifice is time. You've got to sacrifice your time, your, your treasure. Well, I'm not trying to burn people out. No, I'm not, actually. I'm just asking you to serve once a month. Just carry the wood up a mountain so that somebody else can sit in church. You know, Dormans do it twice a month, and I'm very thankful. I'm thankful for your family because I'm blessed every time you say yes to God. So thank you for your yes. And I know there's other people in here that God wants to bless. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening uh, to the podcast. I hope that this message inspired you and that you leave, um, I don't know, encouraged, encouraged to continue to make Jesus famous in your world. And uh, yeah, just know I'm praying for you and I'm thankful for you. And uh, let's, um, I don't know, stay in touch. Send me a DM. Let me know how this message blessed you. And um, if you could be so kind, uh, leave me a review on the podcast. Uh, So whether it's on Apple or whether it's Spotify, I'd love to hear from you. All right, guys. uh, I'll talk to you later. Love you, weirdos.